Hello and welcome to episode 208 of SMARTS, which as you know stands for Solidly Meeting Aqualad Reveals Titan's Sufferings. Ooh. Ooh. Dun dun dun. I had a spoiler, so next, wo- next week, be warned, uh, next week's acronym is going to spoil what happens in Titans this week. So if, if you're behind on shows, you know, just, and you get next week's show, just, you know, skip 30 seconds ahead and you'll be fine. Okay. Okay. Warning over. So I am Julia Gulia of Internet Fame Dash Podcaster, and with me, as always, is the co-host with the co-most, Trevor A.K.A. Rodiger Q. Podcaster. Hello. <laughs> Hi, I'm feeling a bit punchy. Okay. Okay. How you doing? Good. Are you ready for some news? I am ready for some news. So we got a bunch of news this week. Awesome. The Some of which you already know. So the big headline this week is that Despite all of our hand-wringing a couple of weeks ago, Mm -hmm. which seems like a million years ago, it was only a couple of weeks ago, uh, Sony and Marvel have struck a deal for Spider-Man to remain in the MCU, at least for the time being. Hooray! Uh, There will be one more solo Spider-Man movie to close out the trilogy, and at least one more um, appearance by Spider-Man in an other MCU movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And the phrasing of the announcement was interesting because... It really made it sound like there was another shoe to drop in a good way. Like it made it sound like they've struck upon some... The sense that I got was they've struck upon some deal that would allow this deal to be extended without as much trouble as they had to go through this time. Mm -hmm. I get the sense that the deal might allow for Tom Holland's version of Spider-Man to appear in Sony movies in addition to Disney movies. Oh. So he could appear in like Venom 2 or whatever. Okay. Um, and I even read a thing that said that um, while while those movies wouldn't, while those Sony like spinoffs wouldn't really be considered part of the MCU, that there's like, there would be a little bit of quid pro quo where like he might make an offhanded reference in the third Spider-Man mm-hmm. movie to mm-hmm. Venom or something like that. So as a way of like cross promoting a little bit and a way of sort of like deputizing those other movies as being like, somewhat canonical Mm -hmm. so that maybe more mcu fans will go and see them Mm -hmm. um i mean if if they've struck upon a deal that allows feige to continue to use spider-man as much as he wants in marvel movies yeah and sony to use him as much as he wants in their movies that seems like a win-win to me yeah you can either if you want to see as much spider-man as possible you can go see venom 2 or whatever Mm -hmm. if you only want to watch the main canon marvel movies and you don't care about sony's weird semi-canon offshoots you can Mm -hmm. just pretend those don't exist there you go and everybody wins sony gets their movies and gets to have spider-man in them yeah and disney gets their movies with spider-man in them yep um so that i mean that's this is all just supposition but it really made it sound like like kevin feige said that you know among all of spider-man's amazing powers um it seems like his his most spectacular is his ability to cross movie universes or something like that so it really made it sound like well is that because he's a Sony, he belongs to Sony, but he's allowed to appear in Marvel movies? Or, mm-hmm. or if taken more literally, he will be jumping back and forth between these two movie universes? Yeah. I guess they could even they could even be, I mean, they've got into the Spider-Verse, so the idea of like a Spider-Man multiverse exists. They don't even have to say that Venom even exists in the in the MCU. Right. Although Sony movies could be on an in another dimension mm-hmm. and he could go to that other dimension when he wants to be in those movies and then come back to this one if you know what i mean like they, right. they could do whatever they want but anyway it, it made it sound like and they even said oh you know don't don't be surprised if there's more exciting stuff to come or something like that it really makes it sound like they're they they're only announcing 
one more solo movie and one more guest appearance for now. But this deal was structured in such a way that allow that will allow both parties to, you know, save face and and stay happy in the future. Right. You know, two three years from now after this deal has run its course. Right. Because Spider Man, the third Spider Man movie, will come out in twenty twenty one. Which is a really fast turnaround. Mm-hmm. That's the same amount of time as between one and two. I hope that doesn't lead to a drop in quality because they have to rush. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, it wouldn't be the, it wouldn't be the end of the world if I mean normally if if a, even big tentpole movies sometimes like Star Wars movies right mm-hmm. like when they got J J Abrams for Episode Nine they're like yeah we've got J J Abrams but it's going to come out six months later than we promised because we don't want to rush it. Right. Normally I would say well if they don't not enough time they'll just push it back to holiday 2021 but we know that the previous sony deal was very strict about when these movies have to come out like okay you can use spider-man but it has to come out at this time of year so it won't conflict with whatever so yeah i remember something about that so they might have to like they've got less than two years now to get the director hopefully get the director back on board yeah get the cast signed up get writers get a script Mm -hmm. you know like that's not a lot of time for these movies so hopefully they can do it but i mean that that's the only part that makes me a little nervous but other than that it seems like it's all good news Mm -hmm. um I hope, though, when they're planning out this movie, that unlike with Far From Home, if they know behind the scenes, despite what I just said about hopefully this deal being more open-ended, if they know behind the scenes that now this is it, mm-hmm. like, despite how all the smiles they're putting on in public, if they know behind the scenes, like, okay, Sony's letting us have this, but then they said, this is it, definitely. Don't end the third one on a cliffhanger. Like, yeah. have him retire or have him, like, do whatever. Like, yeah. as silly as it would be to have, like, a an 18-year-old superhero retire. Mm-hmm. If you know that you're not going to be allowed to use him anymore, make it an ending. Where it do- right. don't set him up to be the next Iron Man and then we never see him again. You right, know what I right. mean? Like that would be that would be frustrating. That was what hurt so much after this last one when we thought we wouldn't see him again. So that that would be my hope for this. And hopefully they know behind the scenes what the nature of the deal is and they can write the script accordingly. Exactly. Um Yeah, so that's 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 all exciting news. <laughs> wow. Uh, so other news. So there's more crisis news. Seems like there's crisis news every week. So I don't think anybody saw this coming. Ashley Scott, one of the stars of the uh, the late lamented, short-lived uh, WB was it still a WB at the time. It was I think. WB, Bir- Birds yeah. of Prey series mm-hmm. will be will be reprising her role as Huntress in in the Crisis. <laughs> um, what's cool is that Rachel Scarsden, who played Dinah on that show, is already part of the family because she's playing Alice on the Batwoman show. So right. if they want to have her play double duty Brandon mm-hmm. Routh style yeah could yeah. there's been no indication that she will um we also what was the other thing oh yeah the other stuff this week that was cool is seeing the the uh, pictures that Brandon Routh posted of, yeah, of him and so his dope. Come Superman outfit so dope there's something I mean if you'd gone so back dope. even a year and said not only will Brandon Routh get to play Superman <laughs> again he'll be playing like great templed wizened yeah. kingdom come Superman like so good so insane holy um, moly the last bit of crisis news this week um, is a little is a little uh, little on the more negative side. So there were ho- there was hopes that after they got um, blanking Tom Welling, Tom yeah. Welling and Erica Durance back, that they might yeah. complete the. I mean, uh, technically, I guess you would say that Tom Welling, Kristen Kruk, and Michael Bro- Rosenbaum were like the the trinity on on Smallville, right? But yeah. they kind of phased out Lon and brought in Lois. So I guess mm-hmm. you could say Erica Durance. Um, there was hopes that they'd be able to get Michael Rosenbaum too. Like, how cool oh, would it be to yeah. see like, Michael Rosenbaum mm-hmm. and John Cryer bouncing off of each other as Lex Luthor or something? Um, unfortunately, unless everybody's being incredibly 
suspect and and playing it really close Just, to the fence, that's not going to happen. Mm, okay. Because, um, of course, after they got Tom Welling and Erica Durant, people kept ac- asking Michael Rosenbaum on Twitter, like, are you going to be in it? Are you going to be oh, in okay. it? Oh, okay. And so finally he had to post and said, you know, no, I'm not going to be in it. The deal was they offered it to me. Um, but it was a, it was like, it was a bad timing. Like he was, he was visiting an elderly, elderly relative who was on his deathbed or something. And so they caught him at a bad time and they're like, Hey, we don't have a script for you. We can't pay you very much at all. And you've got to report for filming like tomorrow. And he's like, I can't, you know, like, it's just a combination of like, maybe, maybe if they'd been like backed a dump truck of money up to his house and showed him the script and it was an awesome script, maybe he would have had to find a way to make it work. But it was just bad circumstances, bad timing. And he had nothing to go on. Like, it's like, you're not even going to show me a script. You're not going to tell me how much I'm going to get paid. And it's got to be like tomorrow. Like, sorry, I can't do it. You know what I mean? Right, right. So as much as I think that he would have been game for it, like he, he and Tom Welling would go to conventions and people would ask him if they'd right. ever come back and for a crossover or whatever. And he'd be like, sure, if they ask me, I think it was just bad mm-hmm. timing. So unless they find a way to make it happen at the last minute, I don't think we're going to, we're going to yeah. see Michael Rosenbaum in there. Yeah. That's of the three. I think if you've got Lois and Clark, like you don't need to have bringing back old heroes to team up with mm-hmm. the current heroes is cool. I think it's less crucial that you bring back old villains. Just yeah. because that, that yeah, seems like true, less fair. of a cool mm-hmm. thing. Like it would have been awesome to see him again, you know, get John John Shea from Lois and Clark to play Lex Luthor again, bring yeah. in Mark Hamill to play some older version of the Joker, you oh know my what I mean? Goodness. But I mean it's it's not like they don't have Mark Hamill's phone number. He's been yeah. on these shows four or five times already. Yeah. But but I think it's cooler <laughs> to see the heroes from past and present all mm-hmm. team up together just because that seems like more of a thing that you know right. that we would yeah. geek out over. So that's too bad, but it's just the way it goes. Um, other CW news this week, they announced that they have, um, I'm not sure if greenlit is really the term. I mean, they've ordered a pilot, I guess. Like it's, it, it's, it's still at the stage now where it might not, might not happen, but it seems like it's happening for an Arrow spinoff. People are just sort of flippantly calling it the Canaries because that it's going to focus on the female heroes and, mm-hmm. um, Dinah and Laurel, um, Juliana Harkavy and, uh, and Katie Cassidy Rogers will be among the stars. Um, and because it's going to ha- feature, um, I can never remember the name of the actress, Catherine, Catherine McNamara, that's it, who plays mm-hmm. Mia Smoke in the future. They will be seemingly the three stars. Cool. Which leads people to believe that it's going to be taking place in the future. Yeah. Here's my suspicion, though. I don't think they're going to do that because they have these young, attractive women on their show. And this is still television. This is still Hollywood. Right. This, well, it's Vancouver. Yeah. But this mm-hmm. is still commercial television, mm-hmm. right? They're not going to take their young, attractive actresses and put them in 50-year-old old age makeup every week yeah. for seven years. Right. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think the final episode of Arrow in the in the crisis yeah. will feature his daughter coming back in time and teaming up with her father in his prime for one last adventure. I oh, think that's awesome. going to be the final episode of Arrow. Remember how we talked a, a, a long time ago about how it seemed like what they were doing with these future scenes is saying like the parallel between Oliver Oliver's quest started with him writing his father's wrongs and kind of oh, then it, his quest was sort of like realizing that A, his father was didn't really you know, like his father wasn't perfect he didn't right. need he didn't he didn't deserve that much of his of his right. life and mm-hmm. his soul you know yeah. what i mean yeah but but that's okay like he can he can still love him and be at peace with his father anyway right but moreover he needed to move beyond his mission and like not just right his wrongs but like be his own man and everything right and how one of the things we liked about the future scenes is it seems like yeah our guys kind of screw things up too yeah right mm-hmm. and then in a different way and then oliver's daughter has to redeem her father's legacy in the way that oliver had to redeem his father's and that right. would be a real cool symmetry yeah so i think that that's what they're doing but i think that as a way of a setting up the spinoff and b giving us that tying that all together right. would be to have you could even have an episode like we've seen in these previews for arrow season eight that he's going to be somehow 
meeting characters that are dead, like his parents, like Tommy, like all these other people, right? Right. Um, if you actually had the final episode of Arrow be like Robert Queen, Oliver Queen, and Mia Smoke, like together in some way, like it's not like his father was a fighter or whatever, but like if you had that handoff, that three generations, and you have the Oliver like anoint his daughter as the new Green Arrow, but then she gets, she teams up with her father for mm-hmm. like one last battle, you know, with all this crazy multiversal stuff happening around them. You see them back to back with the hoods, yes. firing arrows, whatever mm-hmm. like that. And then he dies or he goes wherever he goes, but she's stuck in the present now. Yeah. And so Oliver's gone. Felicity's in hiding. Felicity can't come back now because she has to raise Mia to, to sort of keep the loop going, right? Because right. Mia has to grow up to be who she has to be in order to come back and help win the crisis, right? Mm-hmm. So, so Felicity can't come back, and so who's gonna who's gonna look after this stranded in time eighteen year old girl? Well, it's gonna be her aunt Aunt Dinah and Aunt Laurel, right? Mm-hmm. So they kind of adopt her, and they become their own little birds of prey team. That's what I think is gonna happen, because otherwise you've got two th- two of the three stars of the show in old age makeup every yep. week, and I don't think they're gonna do that. Right. Plus, it would give you that awesome moment of seeing. Green Arrow, because she's going to have to be... I don't think they're going to call it the Canaries, because I think she's going to be Green Arrow in this. She has right. to be. Yeah. So whatever you call it, whether you call it like Arrow 2040 or Arrow <laughs> Beyond or Arrow the Next Generation. Arrow Beyond. Oh. Arrow Junior High, whatever you call it. Like, I think it's got to be... That's a good They're, they're going to have the Arrow name in there, because it's too strong a brand, right? Like, she could have a crossover with Terry McGinnis. <gasps> Well, we would know. Well, maybe she's going to meet Kevin Conroy in the crossover. Oh. Who knows, right? Um, <laughs> but... Um, but I, I, even though the name, the Canaries, mm-hmm. or even Birds of... I guess there's a Birds of Prey movie coming out, so they're not going to be allowed to use the Birds of Prey name, I don't think. So I, as much as the Canaries would mean something to us, the view, the long-term viewers, I think that the Arrow name has too much cachet. Mm-hmm. So I think they're not going to resist having that be Arrow, you mm-hmm. know? I'm actually a little surprised that they don't just keep the show going, like Scrubs, when all the stars left, and they just turned it into Scrubs the New Class or whatever and <laughs> yeah. got another two seasons out of it. Just call this season nine and have it her, have her be the star. Yeah. But I think out of respect to everything Stephen that Amell came and before, everything that yeah, came before exactly. they're going to make it a clean break and just call it they Arrow something or whatever. Honestly, they should do. But it's, yeah. I think that name should go on. Like, There's no reason why there can't be a new Green Arrow, True. right? And Absolutely. keep the name going. Like, have 10 years from now, there could still be a show with Arrow in the name on, on TV, even if none of the other characters are still there. They That's right. Still do it. That's what I think they're going to do. I think that would be a good way of wrapping it all up. Yeah. Of having, it of would having Arrow's, uh, Oliver's journey sort of end in a way similar to what it began. It won't be know? Arrowette, though. Please don't Because do that. even Oliver's father sacrificed himself so that Oliver could live, exactly. right? Exactly. And himself that's what... what if Oliver has to sacrifice, sacrifice himself in the crisis, like Supergirl style, mm-hmm. or Barry Allen style in the yep. original comic to yep. save his daughter? Yeah. And then she carries, you know, he leaves, much like there's that great shot in Crisis and Infinite Earths in the comic of, of Wally picking up Barry's empty costume and yeah. sort of the audience realizing he's got to be the new Flash oh, now. What man. if Oliver dies and Mia picks up his bow and his hood or something and yeah, then yeah. to be continued next fall in Arrow, oh, Next Generation or whatever, you know? But isn't one of the episodes like basically a soft pilot? But that's I mean, what, that's what I think it's going to be. I think that's what it's going to be. I think there's going to be an episode of Arrow this season I where she comes back I thought you sent me an time. article where that was made explicit. Yeah, there is going to be an episode yeah, this okay. season that's going to serve as a backdoor pilot. Mm-hmm. But I think that's going to be the premise of the backdoor pilot. Right, right, right. Is that it's going to be she comes back in time and, and that episode ends with her stuck here and that's the backdoor pilot. Mm. I don't think it's just going to be an oh, episode because they already did the an premise, episode. Right. They already did an okay. episode last season that took place entirely in the future. They've done that already, and they could do yeah, it again. Definitely. But I think that that, that could be a backdoor pilot, just like one final episode in the future. Mm-hmm. And then, if you want to see more of these future characters, watch the new show coming in the fall. Yeah, there but you I go. think the backdoor pilot is going to be her coming back in time and getting stuck here. Mm. Maybe with some of the other characters. Maybe William comes back too, and Connor or whoever. Like they could bring all of them back and have them team up with the characters that are still want to be <laughs> on the CW from the present or whatever. 
it would be a shame to lose all of those future characters. Right. Because um, I like I like William in the future, too, and I like the actor they have playing him. He hasn't gotten as much to do as Mia. How incredible but... would it be if they, she's fighting like a parallel thing where she actually gets stuck in the present, but she leaves notes for future William in order to prevent well, the, or deal with One of the whole things that was of... happening in the crisis was it wasn't just multiple Earths colliding. It was multiple time periods. Like yeah. You had dinosaurs yep. running around Metropolis, and they did some of that stuff in Legends of Tomorrow yeah, already. Yeah, they missed around. But that, yeah. was, that was part of the stuff that was happening, mm-hmm. so it practically writes itself. Like the, the, the times and the worlds collide and then they fix everything and you think, oh, everybody's gone back where they belong. But then you see one last shot of like, uh oh, she's still here. You know what I mean? Like we've, we've seen that kind of stuff on the show. Like yeah. You think they fix everything, but then the camera cuts and like, mm-hmm. whoop, we forgot one. You know, Whoops, she's still we here. Missed the spot. Yeah. So I think that they could do something like that. And that, that would be my guess because that just seems like it practically writes itself. Yeah. Um, so the only other uh, news this week. So this is uh, this is a little unfortunate because I think we were looking forward to this. The uh, the the Ghost Rider show on yeah. Hulu uh, with um, biking on his name Gabriel Luna right. is not moving forward. No. So Aww. there were rumors that the, like they couldn't, the writing wasn't coming together, like oh. the writers' room wasn't 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 making it happen or something. But then there were other reports later mm-hmm. that said that um, that Disney is really chuffed about the awesome shows that Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige are producing for Disney Plus, you know, Falcon and okay. Winter Soldier, sure. WandaVision, all those shows. And they and they more and more are are coming to the opinion that 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 Kevin Feige produced Marvel Studios branded TV shows are the future of Marvel TV. Mm-hmm. And the shows that are lasting over from the old Marvel Television Jeff Loeb era are their days are numbered. Agents mm-hmm. of Shield is ending, we knew that. Yeah. Um the Netflix shows all the Netflix shows were not renewed. We know that was like a year ago. We knew that those are all yeah, gone. those are yeah. gone already. Um, this this Ghostwriter show now it's not moving forward. It really seems like the writing is on the wall. The only things left are a couple of uh, freeform shows, Cloak and Dagger and Runaways, right, right, as well as the uh, the Hellstrom show that they were that was going to be a companion to Ghost Rider that is presumably still happening at Hulu. But it wouldn't surprise me if. A year or two from now, around the time when the these new Disney Plus shows are hitting, mm-hmm. those shows wrap up also, mm-hmm. and and all we're left with in live action Marvel TV, whether it is on Disney Plus or not, they mm-hmm. could do some stuff for Hulu because they own Hulu now. They could do some stuff for Freeform, but I think that from everything I've seen, there was a report I was reading just a few minutes ago that said that the these Disney Plus Marvel Studios TV shows are going to basically have the budget of the movies, but spread oh, wow. out over six or eight episodes. Wow. Um, okay. Like they're they're putting everything behind these shows. We've talked about that before. Yeah, Star power, did. money, everything, right? Um, I think that's it. I think that I think that the days of these sort of lower budget, uh, not quite official because they never show up in the movies, shows like Agents of Shield, Runaways, Daredevil. I think the ones that haven't ended yet are going to only maybe last another year or two at most. And I think that everything you're going to see going forward, with the exception of like maybe the odd animated project or something, is going to be folded into Marvel Studios, run by Kevin Feige, and and really heavily connected to the movies. Like, we all know these already announced shows, like Falcon and Winter Soldier, She-Hulk, those right. shows are going to be. So I think the Ghost Rider, whether there, whether that's exactly what happened or whether there's truth to the thing that there were, the writing wasn't coming together, I think both things could be true. I think they could have looked at the scripts that were coming in and not been happy with it and like, look, do we completely bring in a new writer's room and retool this thing from scratch or do we just do we just can it? Mm-hmm. Because the other thing was that Foggy apparently, this is all just rumor on top of rumor, but wanted Ghost Rider for the movies. 
Oh, okay. And so as soon as that happens, like, well, you're not doing that TV show anymore. Yeah. Because Kevin Feige is the one making the company billions of dollars a year. And right. however successful the Hulu show would have been, it wasn't going to do those numbers, right? Not even come close right? to there, yeah. Kevin, Kevin Feige wants the character for the movies. Kevin Feige's getting the character for the movies. Yep. You're, not, you're not doing your little TV show anymore, right? Yeah. So I think mm. more and more, all these characters are going to get absorbed into the Marvel Studios umbrella that Kevin Feige runs, not Jeff Loeb. Yeah. Nothing against Jeff Loeb. He's a great guy, and he's written a lot of great comics, and he's run some great shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But I think that I think that those shows have always felt like the B-team. Mm. Yeah. As great as some of them have been, like yeah. Daredevil and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., those shows have always felt like the weird stepchild to the official movie stuff, and I think that's going away. I think it's all going to be Marvel Studios from now on. Yeah, wow. And I think Ghost Rider, that's, it's me reading between the lines of various reports, but I think Ghost Rider is, is just one more casualty of that, like the Netflix shows were and like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is soon to be. I think it's a natural progression. It feels like a natural progression. It feels like a natural progression. I just wonder if Kevin Feige has enough hours I in know. the day to put out three. The thing is, Spider-Man 3 is coming in 2021, 2021. They already had three movies announced for that year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when they got Spider-Man the first time, they actually pushed Captain Marvel back by almost a year to mm-hmm. slot the first Spider-Man movie into that spot. So that they could still only do two or three movies that year. There's been no such announcement this time. Are they going to do four movies in 2021 plus several TV shows that he's also running as closely as he's running the movies? Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's enough. I mean, we laughed when Sony's excuse for not re-upping the deal with Marvel was Kevin Feige's too busy. We laughed at that. We're like, that's just spin. But it's sounding more and more true, right? Like, whether that was true or not, it's sort of like seems to be becoming true so i don't know like that's the only thing that worries me about that is that yeah like is the quality going to suffer just because he's spread too thin but i mean as much as everybody deifies him and he's the guy we see in all the interviews i'm sure he's got a ton of talented people around him working it's not like he's writing all the scripts himself it's not like he's casting everybody himself yep right so he could take more of like a high like a steve jobs position where he's like giving the thumbs up or the thumbs down to things, but the people actually running the daily business are people that he's right. appointed or whatever. Exactly. It could be the progression of that. But Yeah, but that's too bad because I think we're... And it's not to say they couldn't get the same actor. I mean, now that now that you got minor spoiler, now that you got James Darcy as uh, Edwin Jarvis in Avengers Endgame, yeah. the seal's been broken as far as TV original characters coming to the movies. Right, right, exactly. So Gabriel Luna could still be Ghost Rider, even if they do decide to use him in the movies. And it's just like, forget all that TV stuff. He's a new character, but he's still played by the same actor, which right. is which sounded like what they were going to do with the Hulu series anyway. It mm-hmm. sounded like it was going to be its own thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But it's, it's sort of a weird situation, but we're sort of in this weird period where I think we're transitioning to all Marvel Studio stuff. Yep. Makes sense. And that's it for our news. Wow. A lot of news. So what was your comic of the week? This week, I picked Action Comics number whatever the heck. <laughs> that's it. Um, Whatever this week. 1015. Week's... Was it 1015? Yes. <laughs> cool. Um, One word. Naomi! Ah! Oh my good, dear, sweet, fluffy lord. It was an amazing comic. Just such amazing, amazing work. They treated the character so well. Her introduction was amazing. Well, if you've never I mean, it's read... Bendis, it's Bendis writing her. So it's I know, one of the two but still. co-creators, or three if you include... Uh, but it was super creative, and it Jamal was Campbell. really, really clever as well, because you don't have to have read the Naomi yeah. series in order to get a sense for the character, the real important highlights of who she is, what her deal is, and what her character is like. And her interactions with Batman and Superman are just unbelievable. Um... The art is unbelievable, and the like story the is so I, clever, I like and that, it ties in like, with the like current line as well. Yeah, I like yeah. that artist, and, and he's a good fit for the current run on action 
with, which has got like a lot of Leviathan stuff going on yeah, and a kind of more exactly. violent Rosenthorn stuff. But it is kind of jarring to see Naomi in that style when we're used to the more, um, the cleaner, brighter. Yeah, it was definitely uh, more brighter in colored her, Jamal Campbell stuff. But it makes such perfect sense. And the transition, the medium ground was really well struck. Like she looked like she did and her bright um, bronzes and golds and, and, and silvers of the suit and, and her hair and her shape. It's just, it was all perfectly captured and kind of fitted into the style of the Leviathan stuff and the action comics line that we've been reading right now. And it's such a perfect fit as well because the Superman conversation with Red Cloud is also unbelievably perfect because yeah, that was it's like I was inspired. She's had her powers for two hours and she came to us and we're helping her. And you could be that. And just that conversation was so, yeah. so good. I always oh. like that when Superman is, he's not mad, he's disappointed. Yes. You know, like he, he knows <laughs> everybody, your favorite feature. He knows everybody mm-hmm. could be better and he's disappointed when they're not. Like that's, right. that's a, that's one of my favorite And I got to say, Naomi wins major points. In her first conversation with Batman, she can make him smile. Boom. Yeah, this she earned, girl, she earned awesome. his respect there. In a minute. In, well, that's in how you earn Batman's respect, right? Like yeah. you go through something incredibly traumatic, mm-hmm. but you're still you're still standing and you're still ready to face the next challenge, right? Like that's because yeah. that's Batman, right? Like right. You you you, <laughs> you, know, you you take something dear away from him mm-hmm. and he's still standing. Like that's what he that's what he goes through again and again. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's that dope. was really good. That's so good. I'm glad. Did, are you glad they didn't do the thing where two heroes meet for the first time and they fight? Yes, I'm they, super neither, happy they set it up though. But she's like, oh, uh, maybe I should pick that up. It was so cute. No, it wouldn't. Because there's no way Naomi Mm -hmm. would fight Superman. There's no way Superman would fight Superman. It was so cute. Like, I'm adopted. Yeah, me too. I know. (laughs) It's so cute. I always wonder when he says, he says stuff like that a lot. And I'm like, I get get that because he's he's making a connection. That's another thing that I really like when he's written well is like, he, he will, he will. It's, it's maybe not the smartest thing from a secret identity perspective, but he'll he'll say things like that to make a human connection with someone, right? To to establish a bond. So well, that they let trust me tell him. you, I, I this actually this moment kind of reminds me of, and this is going to be very geeky of me to admit this, but um, to 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 reference this. But do you remember watching a video of a YouTube creator who got to meet Nabuo Uematsu and um, actually show him? kind of a remix of something that he did like he played drums and he was showing him what he and his yeah, band had done that. with a piece of music that. that Uematsu had written and as they're talking Nobuo Uematsu says um oh did you how did you learn all these he says oh I taught myself and Uematsu replies yeah me too I yeah. did that too he's self-taught and yeah he yeah everybody knows like everybody who knows who he is kind of knows his backstory and is in awe of like yeah, he's the Superman of the com- of the composing world, like of of for video games at least. So, for, it was such a cute moment because it was definitely like the the comp- um the YouTube creator. I can't remember his name. I I don't remember who he is. Um, he dresses up like a ninja sometimes. Like he does face paint for. You know who I'm talking about, right? I remember, the, but the, I don't think right. I ever watched any more of his videos, <laughs> so I don't remember his name. But it was super cute because he like he's like, yes, I know that. I'm like your biggest fan. <laughs> so cute. But yeah, that moment. So that moment with Naomi and um, Superman saying, yeah, I'm adopted. I know. <laughs> it was, oh, it was so good. But yeah, so that's why I picked it for my comic of the week. Very good. 
What'd you pick? So I picked Batman Curse of the White Knight number three. Nice. Um, perhaps a little unfair because we read two issues back to back. So it kind of can't help but have more impact because you're getting more story. But yeah. I just think that this is a, a fantastic series. I mean, we, we the first series last year it came out of nowhere and we're like, this is like this because I don't I yeah don't it ever, so random I don't want to say he'd never written anything before but Sean Murphy is an artist like he might have he might have yeah. written like some creator own stuff but I had never read any of it and usually experience hard experience has taught me that when you've got an artist who decide who gets their own like vanity project where they're yeah, writing yeah. and drawing it mm-hmm. usually not very good mm. you know because just because you're an artist doesn't mean you can write it means right, you understand right. a certain amount about storytelling and pacing and and so on and so establishing yeah. mood visually and so on but it doesn't mean you can write good dialogue right, it doesn't right. mean you understand you know, character arcs and like the three act structure and all these other things, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but he is, he's really like, you could, as much as it works perfectly as a complete package, the the writing, the penciling, the inking, the coloring, even the production design of like the black label books, like make, I, I, we're reading it digitally, but just the way that there's no like, you know, ads for other books at the back or whatever, it just feels like more like a prestige product, mm-hmm. even when you're flipping through the digital pages. As much as all that makes it a really good package, if you had to choose, do, would you want this with the same art, but like a different script writer or the same script, but a slightly lesser artist? I mm-hmm. think I'd have to go with the same script and a slightly lesser artist. Maybe this is just my preference for like writing over art. But I think that this, I think that the writing is stronger than the art and the art is fantastic. But I think that I think that the writing is what makes this a great series because mm-hmm. there's been a, a ton of like I could even just I could list like 15 of them within the Batman universe alone from the past 10 years where they've given a writer their own little Batman vanity project and they come and go and nobody even remembers them Mm -hmm. because it's like, oh, that was not, there was no, there was no soul to that story and there was no, there was no spark to the dialogue. So they just come and go and nobody remembers them. You, you flip through them and you, you, oh, that's nice art, but it's just, it's so hollow without Mm -hmm. good writing. But this is just such a great series. And like, I've never read a Batman story like this before where there's been stories and Scott Snyder's written a bunch of them recently. Um, where you're like, oh, this this Gotham has this unknown history and it's tied to the Wayne somehow. Like the Court of Owl stuff was like that a lot and yeah. a bunch of other stuff. Um, but the idea like that the Gotham was meant to be divided between these two. And like, like it was Gotham Valley and that's where like the Jean-Paul Valley name comes mm-hmm. from. And it's like, oh, like there was this uh, sort of proto-Joker back then yeah. who had tuberculosis. But he's, you know, he was in Arkham and he was buried in the, he's like fell down the And they called the him Laffy. I like and, it. And, and his body is down in the basement of the mm-hmm. asylum. And that's where Joker found it there when he was trying to escape the first time. And that's what caused it, that what inspired him to become the Joker. And like, you wonder how many idea, how many, how many of these ideas that Murphy had in his mind when he was writing the first book. Yeah. I know that he said when he, the first book was closing up and it was clear that it was a huge hit. He's like, I've got ideas for like a second and a third as well as all these spinoffs. But I don't know necessarily how, how complete like a writer's Bible he had for himself or how many ideas he had in his head. But, and this is like an awesome, like this sort yeah. of like, Azrael, by way of like Iraq veteran kind of mm-hmm. kind of guy, uh, is a really cool version of Azrael too. Like yeah. making him this holy warrior, but giving him like this this um, sort of war on terror tactical vibe instead mm-hmm. of just the religious accoutrements. Yeah, you know, yeah. is is a cool take on this character. Yeah, um, the whole idea of like the the Napier initiative and the GTO and like Batgirl and Nightwing signing up and working with the police force mm-hmm. and. And like these are all like story elements that I don't I've never seen before, you know. Right. And it's hard to do that. You know, Batman just had his 80th birthday a week ago. It's mm-hmm. hard to it's hard to do that. So I, you know, even just even if the quality wasn't high, I would give him a lot of props for the originality. But it's yeah. both, you know. Yeah. So I don't know how many books this one is going to be. I think was the first one six books. Yeah. And we've had three of this, so I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's going to be six six. And then he's we know he's he's working on a a third one also. And I I think I recall seeing. 
Oh yeah, they just announced like um like a Mr. Freeze spin-off book that he's oh, like plotting and someone else will write and draw. Like he's they're they're going to set up a whole like Little line of books around cool. this universe I think cuz it's been such a hit. But if so long as the quality is still there then that's then that's, uh, yeah, that's it's good. very good. Yeah, but I'm really enjoying it. Me too, very much. I'm surprised. Um there was I was in tight running with Freedom Fighters um, and neither of us wound yeah. up picking it, but it was, yeah, I just wanted to honorably mention Freedom Fighters as well because it was a tight race with Action Comics, but yep. I can't resist, I can't resist Naomi. Okay, She's so shall we move on to your quiz? Yes, okay, I'm ready. so this week, in honor of some of the news we talked about earlier, I will be quizzing you about the Birds of Prey TV series. Oh, Christ. You know okay. I never watched that. Yeah, you know some of this stuff. All right. I do? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Number one. All right. Where was the series set? Gotham City. Okay. Was it Gotham City? Okay. Gothtropolis? Oh, God, no. New Gotham City? No. Or Neo-Gotham City? Uh-oh. No. I'm going to say Gotham City. No, it was New Gotham City. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh. already fail. Okay. All right, number two. Oh, is that because they couldn't actually say Gotham City? In no, the, they said Gotham City all the time. But it was it was like how technically Batman Beyond takes place in Neo Gotham. Like it, it's just like at yeah. some point it's the future, so it's no longer Gotham; it's New Gotham. So you know? Birds of Prey takes place in the future. Okay. Yes, it did take place in the future. See, because, I didn't know that. Well, Batman and Catwoman's daughter is fully grown. Like that's oh. that was the character that Ashley Scott was playing. Because that's the that's if the, you say so. Well, that's the original Huntress, right? <laughs> oh, Helena, Helena, no. Helena Wayne was the original Huntress on Earth too, because oh, yeah. she was Batman and Catwoman's daughter from the Justice Society, and so in the present now she's grown up because the Justice Society was in the past. Okay. Right. All right. Number two. Mm-hmm. What is Dinah's surname in the series? Was it Drake, Redmond, Lance, or Queen? Lance. No, it was Redmond. Okay. Okay? Okay. Number three. Failing this good so far. All right. Who is the main antagonist of the series? Was it Black Mask, Harley Quinn, Rachel Ghoul, or The Joker? Black Mask. No, it was Harley Quinn. I roll. All right. Number mm-hmm. four. In the series, what is Barbara Gordon's profession? <laughs> Librarian, computer programmer, doctor, or teacher? Librarian. No, teacher. Damn it. All right. Mm-hmm. Number five, which <laughs> classic voice actor had a cameo in the pilot? How do I know? You, was it Kevin? What? I don't understand why you would build an entire quiz around a show you know I didn't see. To torture you. Hey, you know what? Why don't I next time quiz you about smog? Because I'm pretty sure that you must the, have picked up something the about gas, The gas formation? No, the show. Smoggies. Cartoon. You mean Smaug, the, uh, the dragon from mm. The Hobbit? No. Voiced by Bennington Cumbersnitch? Was it really? Yes. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. What? Yes. All right. Ooh, Number learning. five. Which classic voice actor had a cameo in the pilot? Mm-hmm. Was it Kevin Conroy, mm-hmm. Bob Hastings, mm-hmm. Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., or Mark Hamill? Bob Hastings. No, it was Mark Hamill. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Zero out of five. Oh, right, because he played the Joker. Yeah, yes, he did. Oh, the Harley. Uh, All right. Hey, I win at losing. You win at losing. <laughs> I am the best loser ever. Oh. <laughs> All right. So the only show we have to talk about this week is Titans. Mm-hmm. I think that will still be the case next week, unless we somehow have time to watch Batwoman or Supergirl before we record, because those are run on Sunday. So okay. we'll see if we end up watching them like Monday afternoon or something before we Tune record. in next week when I quiz Trevor about Teletubbies. I'm sure he can name all of them in order. Sure. Ready, squeak, squeak, <laughs> Ralph Malf, the Fonz, Ringo, Judas, 
<laughs> and the rest. Zero out of four. But what a ride. Yes. All right. <laughs> hmm. uh, so Titans. This one was called Aqualad. <laughs> mm-hmm. This was a really good episode. I, I, yes. I, they did a whole spoilers, episode. Spoilers, by the way. Spoilers, like oh, heavy duty. Well, that's always the case. Yeah, I know. The entire thing takes place five years ago. Mm-hmm. We don't see any of the present. We don't see any of the present day cast members, aside from the ones that are also there five years ago. So yep. no Beast Boy, no Raven, no Jason Todd. Um, so basically everybody yeah, is on vacation. Yeah, like Titans, yeah. the original team. Like this, this is this is cool. Like this, the idea of, I don't know, like this is the same as we said a couple of weeks ago. Like where was this show last year? Like the idea of these characters just hanging out in the tower fighting yeah. crime like it sounds like the simplest thing in the world mm-hmm. but there's a reason why this kind of um setup this kind of premise works so well for wolfman and perez through the 80s and 90s having a bunch of like teenagers or or like late teens early adult you know early mm-hmm. 20s like young adults um dealing with like interpersonal drama while fighting crime mm-hmm. while trying to strike out on their own and and forge their own identities like if you feel like you've seen that a lot over, you know, in the past 20 years of, of fiction or whatever. But at the time, there'd never been a superhero series like that. The closest yeah. you could come was like maybe the X-Men or the Legion because they featured also like young characters. Mm-hmm. But X-Men obviously has a very different kind of tone and like it's about different things. It wasn't really about, you know, teen independence. It yeah. was more about, you know, racism and, and all those other things. Mm-hmm. And the Legion was like basically like Star Trek with kids in the future. It wasn't really about anything. It didn't really have a theme. Whereas Titans, the the new Teen Titans, you know, when Wolfman and Perez revamped it and brought in Cyborg, Beast Boy, Raven, um, then it became about you know about all those things. Previously, mm-hmm. the, the the classic Teen Titans run, where it was like the original Teen Titans, was just like it was like old guys trying to write teens. In the 60s and 70s, so it was all about like, man, this swings, Daddy O, and like they were, you know what I mean? Like it was just re- like really painful teen dialogue. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, re- and again, like it wasn't really about anything. It was just like the teen, the kids having adventures together and ha- and partying and stuff, like in that wholesome 60s Leave It to Beaver kind of way. Yeah. Um, but then you know you had the new Teen Titans, and it was about things. It was about like Raven's story was about something. Cyborg's story was about something. Robin becoming Nightwing was about something. Wally West deciding to retire was about something. You know, um, and you can do that on TV, and it can work great. Like it doesn't. It's not rocket science. Like obviously, it you know te- television is hard to make, and it, you know it's hard to write good television. Yeah. And and this episode was very well written and well acted and everything. So it's not like it just writes itself just because you have a good premise, but it's not really something we've seen on TV before. Amazingly enough, even with the glut of modern day superhero TV shows and movies, like, yeah, very true. like teenage superheroes, like hanging out together and trying to find their place in the world is not something that, you know, Marvel hasn't gotten to it yet. Really? Like the closest thing you could get is maybe you could say runaways, but that they're not really superheroes. They just happen to have superpowers, you know? Right. Right. Um, but and yeah, for like, now they're running I would away. Watch, I would watch a whole show about these characters, you know? Like, a lot of them we saw... Well, that's good, because that's what this show is. Well, I know, but, like, this this configuration of these characters. Like, yeah, Robin, okay. who's still... Uh, Dick Grayson, who's still Robin, and hasn't become quite as embittered about it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Hawk and Dove, who aren't together yet, or were together, but haven't gotten back together yet. Yeah. Um, Donna, who hasn't quite hasn't found her like one of the things i loved about the donna troy episode in in season one was that she was like of all the of all the characters we'd seen so far in the series she was the one that seemed like the most comfortable with herself like Mm -hmm. she knew exactly what she was about 
You know, she knew exactly what her place was in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, she was she didn't have she wasn't all torn up about responsibility or or vengeance or I mean now we're getting a little bit of that now, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like and that's the Donna she's like the she's like everybody's big sister, the girl mm-hmm. next door. Like she's not she's not the the fierce warrior necessarily like she can be the, the great thing about Donna Troy as a character she can be all these things but she's not about any one thing mm. like she can be the fierce warrior she can be the the sob sister she can be the den mother she can yeah. be the photographer she can be the you know she can be all these she can be the little sister to Wonder Woman she can be the cop the, the mother she was never a cop I don't well, think well they were on stakeouts I'm just referencing but she can she can she can be all those things but you don't say like Donna Troy is the photographer of the team. No, Donna right. Troy is the warrior of the team. No, Donna Troy is the the closest you can get is maybe she's like the big sister of the team is kind of the one like if you had to pick one thing, but even mm-hmm. that is reductive. Like mm-hmm. it's not as easy to say like oh, it, you could say like the like um, Raven is the is like the tortured magic user, the tortured sorceress of the team. Mm-hmm. Right, that's pretty mm-hmm. much it. Mm-hmm. Beast Boy is the shape shifting jokester of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You know what I mean? But you can't boil Donna Troy down that way. And that's part of what makes her so cool. Is she's mm-hmm. all, she can do all these different things, but she knows herself so well that she's never just about any one of them. Mm-hmm. And I like that they captured that in the first season. And what's cool about this here is that we're seeing that she wasn't always, unlike the comics where she was kind of always that person, like she mm-hmm. was always the most mature person in the room. Here she's not quite that yet. Like she's, it's cool. Like she's, she's on some sort of like, we're getting bits of her history without them really connecting the dots for us. We know that she lost her parents in a fire, her human mm-hmm. parents. Mm-hmm. Um, she mentions, though, at one point about how she's like half Amazon, though, doesn't she? I, so what her original origin half was... Half Amazon? I think she made, there was a mention of that at some point. I don't remember At that. the very least, we know that she trained on Themyscira. And yeah. That, that she seemingly was allowed some, like like the Amish... <laughs> She was allowed to come oh, back yeah. to man's world for a period of time, but now she's due to go back to her real people, mm-hmm. her real adopted people, I guess. Right, right. I know how that works. Um, but her original origin wasn't a comic. She was human. She was a regular human. Her parents died in a fire. A Wonder Woman found her. She got there a little too late, and she felt so bad for her that she basically adopted her, quote unquote, mm-hmm. brought her back to Themyscira, where they like imbued her with Amazon abilities, and mm-hmm. she grew up there as Wonder Woman's adopted sister. Mm-hmm. And it seems like from everything we've seen, that's basically what happened here. When she calls herself part Amazon or when she calls them a her home or whatever, I think it's just because she spent most of her life there. Right. And she thinks of herself as part Amazon, mm-hmm. although not by blood. Although who knows what sort of like Amazon sorcery they did. Maybe they imbued her with who knows what. But yeah, I think yeah. that's basically, as soon as you saw the house fire a couple of episodes ago, mm-hmm. right, and Trigon's vision that he gave her, right, the, the arsonist that was setting the fire that killed her dad or whatever, like yeah. I think that's the classic donatorial origin that we're working with here. It's just as well because God knows you don't want to get into the later stuff where they completely <laughs> messed yeah. up the character. Um, but she's like she's like on some Amish furlough from Themyscira, but she's got a, she's due to go back and she's got like this handler this amazon handler who's like a museum curator yeah um it's like the amazons have integrated into man's Mm. world by this point and some of them are living in man's world presumably undercover but are there yeah possibly for a number of reasons not the least of which is to allow maybe young amazonians to spend some time in man's world to learn about it before they go back to themiscira like Mm -hmm. that's something that could be like these are really interesting ideas that Mm -hmm. i don't think we've ever seen before but she's 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 she can't she can't decide because she's you know she's whatever she is like I think they they mentioned Garth was turning twenty two or something. Mm-hmm. Dick is probably how old do you think he is in season one? Maybe like twenty five, twenty six. So he's probably around the same age here. I think the actor's a little older than that, but I think they're playing him as mid twenties, right? So he's probably about early twenties here. Mm-hmm. 
Hank and Don, maybe Rita's a little younger than that, but not mm-hmm. much. Don is probably around the same age. So she's, yeah, she's like the age where she'd be leaving for college or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. And she's like, am I going to go back and be an Amazon warrior or am I going to stay here? It's like an interesting mm-hmm. thing because even with Wonder Woman, she's never, like they, they do it sometimes, but it always kind of reads as reductive. Like when they, she never really feels torn between two worlds. Like the whole thing in, in, the, in the rebirth so far was up until very recently, she couldn't even go home. Like she couldn't right. go home, right? The right. cartoons did some of that too. Um, and she would, you know, lament that. But it's not like she's like, oh, my time, like I want to, I can go home, but I dare not because I'm needed here. Or like, no, she would go home all the time. And then she was it's like, it's Clark going back to the Ken farm. It's like, yeah. no, I, I feel torn between Smallville and Metropolis. No, he's like, he can go there and back in, in two seconds. It doesn't matter, right? Right. Um, and so that was always the thing. But the idea like feeling torn between do I want to be an Amazon warrior? Or do I want to be a human? Like she hasn't found that. And it's not even a middle ground because she's both. Like mm-hmm. that's what's so great about her. So and she hasn't found that yet. So that's cool. And And we've got... Garth, who we'd never seen before, mm-hmm. presumably we'll never see again. Yeah. Um, but they do a really good job of of making you like him really quickly. Mm-hmm. And it could have it could have fallen on its face because mm-hmm. he's got a little bit of the we were talking about this, like he's not like any other Garth. He's a little bit more like the current Garth in the comics, I guess, because he's got the scruff and he's got like a bit of the warrior attitude about him currently in the comics. But traditionally, he was like the straightest of straight arrow. You know, like he was like the nerd of the team, basically, not in terms of like reading books all the time, but like, yeah, always like always wanted to, oh, we got to follow the rules. We got to like even Dick had some of the like the whole reason he was there was to get away from Batman and have some time on his own. So it was always a little bit of rebellion, even when he was Robin in the Titans, let alone Nightwing. But Garth was always like the the good boy. If Donna was the good girl, Garth was the good boy because Roy was the bad boy. Mm-hmm. Wally was younger. Wally always had some of that attitude. A little bit like he was a bit of a flirt. He was a bit of like in the cartoons, how he's sometimes written, you know, like he was a bit of a flirt and it had a bit of an attitude, you know, when he was young. But Garth was always the good guy, like the, you know what I mean? Yep. So, but here there's a little bit of like the Jason Momoa in him. Like he's, he's got a bit of scruff, like he's buff. He's got a, like a little bit of that sensitive surfer dude kind of mm-hmm. attitude about him, you know, like Jason Momoa has. Like I was saying to you, like I think that this is heavily informed by the Aquaman movie. Like I could see this version of Garth being Jason Momoa's sidekick, whereas I can't really see any other version of Garth. In the comic. Like like Jason Momoa would take one look at the comics Aqualad from the 60s and be like, I'm not hanging out with this geek. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like he'd come around because he's a sweetheart, but he'd be yeah. like, he'd take one look at him and like, this this geek i'm not no. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah so but i could see this guy being because mm-hmm. he's got he's got jason momoa's like earnestness about him yeah and his like sensitivity in addition to having kind of this like they could it could have fallen on his face because they could have written him as kind of like the bad boy like don is the good yeah, girl who's yeah. tempted by the bad boy yeah. kind of thing mm-hmm. but they kind of already have that going with hank and don you don't really need that mm-hmm. here and that mm-hmm. was never garth in the comics anyway like if you want to write him as a bit more of a heartthrob you can but i'm glad they at least kept him as as a good guy. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like that. It's, it's a cool version of the character and the costume was great. Yeah, it was. It was dope. That's like... I don't they think nailed it. I don't think there's ever been an Aqualite costume in live action, so there's not much competition. But sure. that's a great Aqualite costume. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it uses the basic blue and red from the comics. It's got like some of the design elements from the Aqualad costume from Young Justice a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Like the sort of gold parts that sort yeah. of like creep over the sides is right. a way of adding kind like, of make a little belt with that with also the a, has the logo right. in it but, yeah. but, ha- but breaking up it a little bit so it's yeah. not just a red shirt and blue pants like sure. you, you break it up design wise a little bit so it's got more visual interest going on mm-hmm. it's got a good texture to it 
has a little bit of scales, kind of, like a hint of, of that element in the yeah, design. And, and yeah. the plot between him and Donna could have come across could have come across as really hackneyed too. Like Star Crossed lovers, like, oh, they've they've secretly been in love since they were kids, but they, they never acted on it and now she has to go back to her homeland mm-hmm. And they may never see each other again. And he comes to find her at the airport and they profess their love. Like it could be you, you say it like that and it sounds really hackneyed. But I think it, it came off really well. I agree. And the whole time you're like, man, something's going to happen, right? Because we, we haven't seen him in the present. He's never even been mentioned in the present. Yeah, yeah. You've got to squint at some of the scenes that take place in their little costume room there in the present to, e- yeah. present to even see that the word Aqualad is on one of the empty display cases. Yeah. And we see him there. And we know that Destro has set it up at the beginning of the episode. Deathstroke has gotten some new contracting. You know it's going to be one of the heroes. Yep. So the obvious thing is that it's Aqualad. But then you're like, well, maybe they're going to throw a curve. And he's not actually after Aqualad. Right. Maybe he's after Donna and Gar sacrifices himself. But it really seemed like at the end, because Deathstroke doesn't doesn't miss. Especially when nobody knows he's there. And there's nobody yeah. trying to like block him or something. Right. So that first shot was meant for Garth. But then if all he was there to do was kill Garth... He would have been gone. Like right. they, there would have been no second shot, and nobody would have even seen him. Right? Mm-hmm. He took a second shot at Donna. Mm-hmm. It was just that he didn't have a, he didn't have enough information. He didn't know there was like a super badass fifty something Amazonian yeah, yeah, there yeah. to deflect the bullet or whatever she did with, with a the shuriken. Star. Yeah. So he was he was there for both of them. Mm-hmm. Is he after all the Titans? Was there is, was it like the comics where it was his son in the comics, not him? But was a contract taken out on the whole team and he was, he's here to like pick them off one by one. Mm-hmm. And then there's a the whole element we haven't talked of with Jericho. Right. Where it looks like he's gotten away from Slade and he's living like in the comics he was written as he was always written as as being like sort of not closeted. But it's just like it was the 80s so you couldn't really come out with it. No pun intended and say whether he was gay or not. Mm-hmm. Um but he really he read as gay and I'm not sure they ever portrayed him as being in a heterosexual relationship in the comics recently he's been like openly bisexual Mm -hmm. so I'm not sure if the woman he was with at the beginning is meant to be his girlfriend or his wife or what if she's just like someone who's helping look after him or protecting him I thought it was looking after him I actually thought it was his mom she read as quite a bit older than him yeah that's why I was reading a mom vibe I wasn't getting a mother son vibe I was getting like they're living together but it's it might not be romantic, but they're they're closer in age than that. She didn't read as old enough to be his mother to me. Mm-hmm. I could be way off base, but he read as like late teens and yeah. she read as like maybe late twenties to me. Late twenties? Wow. Well, I mean she looks good, but sorry, no. I thought but, she was old enough to be. You think be his it was mom. his mom? I don't know. But the way she came home and he was cooking for her and she was like, Oh, that's sweet. Like, like yeah, like a kid can do that for their parents, but yeah. I was getting more of like a cohabitation vibe from that mm. as opposed to a parent job anyway we'll see yeah i could be way off base but um but he seems like this sweet kid who's who's and but he's got the scar right and he obviously right. mm-hmm. isn't can't talk can't speak mm-hmm. so presumably the whole thing where his father let him get his throat slit yeah rather than you know risk his i'm trying to remember the exact circumstances but it was a situation that he could have prevented mm-hmm. if he was less of a dick but mm-hmm. he didn't basically yeah um so that's happened. And so something's... But I mean, Dick goes to him at the end and Dick is like, he's going to use this kid to find Slade. So I don't know. Like things are going to go down, right? Like I yeah. can't help thinking that... that oh, we, we even said that... We even know that, right? Because Rose even said last episode that, that Jericho died, died yeah. right? So I think that that's what's going to happen. That's what sends Slade off to be like the mountain man for a while. Yep. Until the Titans reform. And that's what causes the Titans to break up is that they both lost someone. <clears throat> is Jericho going to actually become a Titan or is he just going to be the civilian that gets in the way and gets killed? Yeah. Um, I don't know. But it's... It's, it's, it's really, going to be exciting yeah, to it's, see. It's really interesting. So is the next episode 
also going, going to be in the past. The next episode is called Deathstroke. So oh, we know okay. we're getting a lot of Deathstroke, but that could take place in the past or the present. Exactly. It seems sort of, I don't know, I don't want to say, I don't want to say cheap, but it seems like you have the cliffhanger with Deathstroke taking Jason at the end mm-hmm. of the previous episode. Are you going to go multiple episodes now without even seeing the present at all? That oh, seems yeah, like a I forgot li- about that. I kind of think, feel like you can go one episode to like stretch out the cliffhanger. Yeah. But then I kind of feel like next episode maybe have some in the past, some in the present, like bring that's the two what timelines I was gonna, together. Yeah, that's what I was going to think because you can have, as you pointed out, um, Jer- uh, Deathstroke in the ba- past and future. So it makes sense that you would wrap up the first part of the storyline and then rejoin to see what's happening with Jason and, and them. It also kind of helps inform some of the some of the characterization like say for example of dick that we maybe had a bit of an issue with in season one if he's gone through this like if he right if aqualad died the titans broke up in anger and he got this sweet mute kid killed killed yeah then like yeah like because we were looking at dick in season one we we're like yeah you were raised by batman but you've got so a lot jaded, of you've got a lot yeah. of anger issues but yeah. if all this stuff happened to him like because we didn't know any of this right maybe yeah. the writers didn't either but retroactively knowing all this about him like no wonder he's He's more angry than the average Robin because, by and large, like Dick Grayson's been through a lot in the comics, but aside from obviously the death of his parents, most of it happened like once he was an adult, like once he was already Nightwing. Right, you know? right, right. Because he became Nightwing right around the time in the comics when things actually started to get serious. Because most of his Robin career was like the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, when things were still, by and large, pretty light. Yeah. So he didn't go through a lot of stuff as Robin. Yeah. Um, so the idea of seeing a Dick Grayson as Robin, who's this dark, it was jarring to us. But, you know, if he's if he's gotten multiple people killed, <laughs> then it's a bit easier to understand, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Even the set, like even the cinematography was really good, too. Yeah, like, it was brighter. We, do, we don't see a lot of mm-hmm. the tower, but it was it was well shot. And it looked like, it, like yeah, that looks like a, a nice place to hang out if you're yeah. you know, 20 and you're hanging out with your friends. And, you know? Yeah. And the action scene was, I know we talked, we sort of bagged on the action a little bit last week because there was one action scene that was kind of confusing. But the fight scenes with Dr. Light in this episode were really good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There were good action beats. There was the bit at the end where they all were, where Garth kind of like blocks his attack so that Hawk and Dove can kind of do this pincer move. Yeah, yeah. And Donna like lassos him, then Dick comes in with his staff from above and delivers the knockout blow. Like that was a great little bit of business. So. Mm I think it just, you know, can vary from week to week as TV series often do. But it can. But I how, mean, how close to deadlines they're running, who's directing, you know, how much time they have, you know, whether the set, you know, they pick a location, does the location work out as planned? Like when you're right. making a TV series, it's supposed to move, but there's so many things that can go wrong with, with every little, every little complicated thing you're trying to Yeah, but to film, that was my so. point last week. It was that in season one, it seems to me that the action was tougher to film and the fights were sort of, um, it's as if they were figuring out how to film action fights and and how to do justice to the choreography and my point was that they seem to have figured it out because the first couple episodes were great and as you said like last episode was also great don't discount also the titans was dc universe's first original show so the people working on the show in season one it's not like it was the first show they'd ever made but it was dc universe's first production so there could have been all sorts of things behind the scenes over like we don't know how much money we're gonna right have for these fight scenes because because maybe DC, when they were you know funding the show, maybe they didn't they didn't know how much money they were going to be able they were going to want to put up for it yet. Because yeah. who knows that the, their first show it could have fallen flat in its face, mm-hmm. Com- mm-hmm. you know, ratings wise when there's ratings on a streaming service, but viewership wise, critically, 
you know, budgetarily it could have fallen apart. Mm -hmm, And so maybe mm -hmm. they're like, you know, we'll give you some money. And then once we get the first few episodes back, we'll give you more for the back half of the season. And so maybe they didn't have a lot to work with or didn't know how much they'd have to work with when they were filming some of the early fight scenes. Like it's literally the flagship show of what is essentially a new network. Right. So I can only imagine behind the scenes the amount of chaos that must have been happening, even with people that have been making TV shows for decades, presumably. Um, Trying to launch a new show for a new network, essentially. There must have been like trying to, you know, hit a moving target right? in a hundred different ways. So it really just feels like a much more confident show this season because they've got, you know, the actors are comfortable with the characters, the writers, you know, there's new writers and the existing ones feel comfortable with the characters too. The, the service has had hit after hit now, yep. you know, commercially. They haven't had a loser yet. You know, Titan season one was got mixed to good reviews and by and large, pretty good actually reviews. Um, and then Doom Patrol, Young Justice and Swamp Thing got, pretty much universally glowing reviews yeah. and now it's season two and it's getting even better reviews in season one so yeah agreed i think there's a there's just more of a confidence across the board yeah um, for the production that's that, what it I, comes across on screen like it, they does, don't, it does they're not having to, season one had a sort of tentativeness to it you know like do we want it is this are we really a superhero show like can we say the word titans right. can we have bruce wayne in our show no like are we gonna have are they gonna wear costumes not really are we going to have fun? No, not really. And then season two, like, yeah, just do all that. Like, codenames, <laughs> costumes, Aqualad, Deathstroke, Bruce Wayne is here, Superboy's showing up, Crypto, he's going to have a super dog, right? Like, yep. just throw Bring everything on. on there. Like, yep. that's, that's, which is, you know, yep. That's what it should be. Like, it, the DC universe, you know, I, how long until a talking gorilla? shows up right like that's remember remember the the the, oh, so good. the convergence yeah. of all dc-ness in that one flash episode where it was like a speedster punching a talking gorilla through the multiverse yep and that was like that's it that's peak dc <laughs> like nobody's yeah. wearing nobody's wearing green and purple but aside from that this is like peak dc <laughs> right right here yeah it was um, great <laughs> so you know we're not quite there yet but hey i mean it's the teen titans the doom patrol showed up i guess do we get the brother they, they, re, they refer to the brotherhood of evil and doom patrol right and they, they even referred to Monsieur Mala. I think we didn't see him, but I think there was a reference to Monsieur Mala in the brain, I think. I don't recall. At the very least, the brain was referenced. So if they're going to be a talking oh, yeah. gorilla, gorilla anywhere in DC Universe, aside from Young Justice, who had like five talking gorillas already, it's in live action. If there's going to be a talking gorilla on DC Universe, it's probably going to be on Doom Patrol, not Titans. But True. There's, there's a lot of talking gorillas out there. They could bring in, they could bring in the gorilla boss of Gotham City um, to torment uh, Nightwing. Maybe that's what you could do. Get talking gorilla on there, because <laughs> awesome. Flash has got Grodd locked up, right? I think they have to work their way up to talking gorilla. You don't think you could buy a talking gorilla on here? On Titans, not yet. Not yet. No, that's season three, maybe. Mm-mm. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking season three. That's it. That's it for our shows. <laughs> All right. So if you want to reach out to us, we have a Twitter. We have a Twitter. <laughs> one of my finest outros. Ever. We only have one Twitter. Just the we're one. We're trying to work up to two or three, but we're starting small. <laughs> yeah. Um, at Smarts Podcast. If you want to email us, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our website is www.smartspodcast.com. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast. How about a funny sound for us? I don't have one. How about... Um, hold on. I can do this. Um, 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 I am talking gorilla grad. Good job. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>